welcome back. Uh, I'm guessing in chronological order, this is the second time. And yeah, um, yeah, you know, I've trapped Gary for two podcasts in a row. You guys don't know how difficult that is to do. Like the one we did about Neri Awake back when we thought we'd have more frequent ones, but this man is too busy to, to hold on. Uh, Gary, Gary, thanks for joining us yet again. Uh, hi, hi, Valentine. Yeah, it's a pleasure always. Um, not really like it. I'm, a, I'm not a hard man to track down. It's just that sometimes, like, um, it's winter, the days are shorter, maybe. Mm. So, yeah, maybe that's the thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but but you still wake up like at around uh, 6.30 in the morning you already be active which I, I can't understand like <laughs> in winter yeah I, I, I grew up in Yanga like uh, the temperatures they are sub-zero like right now it's, it's not unusual for me to brave the cold so and I also went to a boarding school in Manikale so it's a thing yeah, if once it's in you uh, you, you can't stop like you wake up at five each time, even if you go to bed at eleven, you still wake up at five. Yeah. I don't know, maybe it's a cool thing. I don't know how it works, but uh, it's just what it is. Yeah, and uh, as usual, joined by Edwin, um, who, yeah, I, I won't even say anything. <laughs> ambushed, <laughs> ambushed is the word. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm here. I'm here. Happy and to be with you again. Thanks, man. And the glaring omission of his Liz Rufaro, the dictator, is elsewhere, thankfully. Uh, we have a reprieve from his authoritarian rule. Uh, the podcast is mine yet again. So we are discussing basically the article I wrote yesterday about the Deposit Protection Corporation. So just a brief background for anyone who... I'll, I'll leave a link to that in, in, in the description in the, in the article. But... So essentially, when you deposit money to a bank, it's not like it's just going into nowhere. Uh, it's going into nowhere because it's going into a bank. But in the event that a bank, you know, uh, collapses or whatever, or leaves the country or, or whatever, there was a safeguard created by the government called the Deposit Protection Corporation or Deposit Protection Scheme, which is basically there to compensate account holders in the event that uh, a bank does go under or something happens to a bank or, you know. So... Like this came about uh, because if you just peruse the website, uh, the DBC's website, um, when you go under its function or, you know, uh, deposit protection, as the tab says, you will see its mandate, uh, the what 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 it covers, what it doesn't cover. And the glaring omission to that was obviously nostril accounts. So as I'm sure you're all aware, uh, you know, we, we've been, I think it tells me now, so it's more than a decade now we've been in, in a multi-currency system on and off. I know the government kind of switched off the tap on USD uh in, in the in the late twenty tens. But it's it's been, you know, legal tender for for, for the large part of, of a decade. And they didn't make the provision for nostril USD account to be covered by the Deposit Protection Corporation. Um so yeah, you know uh I don't want I don't want to go at length. So I'll, I'll let Gary jump in um you know with 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 with, with, with his with his thoughts. Yeah I, for me I think it's important uh, to look at the history as well, maybe some of the motivations that would have driven the authorities to form the DPC. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have young listeners, they probably are uh, used to hearing the uh, number 2008 a lot. Uh, but uh, 2008 colloquially is used to refer to a period of time. It's not just one year. Uh, it was uh, a series of 
bad years, maybe starting from 2000, like before that, things were mostly stable. Uh, 1999 is like the year that, uh, or the standard that um, every other year is judged on, and it was a good year. So uh, we had several banks going under, and uh, people were left uh, like holding the wind, in other words. Like they, <laughs> you put your money to the bank. We had banks like CFX. Uh, we also had, um, remember what I was saying before the podcast, we had asset management companies and stuff. And so uh, you could have a corporation or even a whole bank um, just disappearing into the thin wind, and you would had no way of recovering whatever it is that you had. Uh, deposited uh, into the account or whatever. So you could go to uh, an ATM and see it's out of order and then you read in the paper tomorrow, ah, there was no prevalent internet back then. Ah, CFX is gone, it's under curatorship, uh, uh, people can no longer withdraw money and so on. So it was always kind of like a sudden kind of thing and the people that were hurt the most by these incidences were the poor people, the vulnerable members of society. And so the DPC is kind of like a big deal because um, kind of like the Lloyds of London of old, it's kind of an insurance of sorts. I put fund that will allow uh, at least those vulnerable depositors to recoup something. Um, probably, I know there are limits, like 10,000 limits and so on, 10,000 dollar limits to what you can get out of it before you have to wait for the bank's assets to be sold and so on. But usually a bank going under means that you're not really going to get much uh, in, when the, its assets are sold because usually they have got um, creditors that have got prior claim to the assets and so on. So it's a little bit technical, but it's all about making sure that if you are an ordinary depositor and you deposit something into the bank, you will not be left holding nothing. You have something uh, that you have uh, at the end of the day. It might not be everything that you deposit, but something. Yeah, and it's 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 good to remember that, you know, um, the one thing I, w- I wanted to stress more than most when I wrote was, you know, we're not blaming the Deposit Protection Corporation in any respect. They are just part of the system. So they are not there to set policy. They're simply there to execute policy. So this comes from Ministry of Finance and the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe, which are the central, you know, financial authorities. Um, but that provision wasn't set. So when you're going back to uh, vulnerable uh, people and, and poor people in society, when we, when we made the turn to using um, US dollars, it was 2009. Um, yeah, you know, it's, the temptation was at the time to say, oh, no, you know, the, the, the established powers, NPF, whatever, you know, didn't put that provision, but we, the GNU was there at that time. And I think Minister of Finance is in diabetes. And, you know, I, I'm not saying this, this is, this is, you know, I, I don't know what was going on in the background um, of that, of why this provision wasn't said, but it seems something that's way too important, judging from what you said with the, with the number of banks, you know, Inter, Interfin Bank, uh, Trust Bank, Royal Bank, all those banks that went under that in the new era. And, and for context sake, Trust Bank went under in 2013. That was, I think, four years after the GNU had, had, had sort of come into effect. So, government then. Sorry, I, was, I said we're using USD even then. So even then, yeah, yeah, they've been alerted to the deficiency in the provisions uh, that uh, govern the DPC. So yeah, somebody somebody slipped. <laughs> somebody <laughs> took. Yeah, yeah um, that was a big time. Was with as you said with the DPC, it's the, the key the key word here is cooperation. With most corporations, there is usually an act of parliament 
uh, somewhere out there, there's probably a DPC Act. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure, but it has to be there because most corporations are formed by an act of parliament. So uh, that's the key weight. I will know why we, under which uh, authority it falls, whether it's the Ministry of Finance or maybe directly under the RPZ, but it will have to be under the RPZ. But anyway, uh, in the current setup, we have the Minister of Finance, uh, who is in charge, maybe not legally, but uh, by virtue of his charisma, he tends to pull it out. Anyway, so this would be uh, the job uh, for Parliament. Uh, they would have probably, there's a committee somewhere, maybe a finance committee, we're supposed to identify these things. Ah, there's a glaring omission there. We're supposed to include USD as well. Mm. We used to have I, I used to be an avid reader of, um, you know, the Hansard reviews, uh, those mm. reports. Minister, used, used to have energetic ministers in charge. Um, honorable members, I move that we delete this uh, clause from the act as it is now outdated, and I want us to include this clause because of this and that. So there has to be someone or a committee at the very least that should be in charge of identifying these things. And not just wait for the ball to drop and say, oh, we, we didn't see that coming. And as you've said, we've already had cases where banks have gone under during the USD era. So I don't know what happened to the people that had deposited their money with uh, banks like Interfin and so on. And ZBAG as well. ZBAG, yeah, which was much touted back in the day. It was one of those very new banks. I remember it even sponsoring uh, football clubs and whatnot in, in in Zimbabwe, and then again, you know, those banks fold, and it's 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 dire in the in the multi currency area because, I, I you know I'm not going to this might not sound you know um, politically correct in the sense that people value USD more than they do local currency. So for example, if my bank that I use now goes under with my local currency, yeah, okay, cool, it hurts, but but if 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 my yeah. my bank ABC <laughs> prepaid card in MR goes down. I will cry <laughs> because I know that money is is not going to depreciate in value. You know, even if it's being used for for payments, it's not going to be you know depreciate in value, and it's 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 a stronger currency. So for them not to see it at the time when they rush to adopt the 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 this, because remember that that whole adoption of the USD got, people lost out on 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 money um, in terms of you know money just becoming null and void in accounts simply because it was not currency, and if it was worthless at the time anyway. So they to compensate people later on, but uh, very few few people managed to like recover that money. I, I still remember is it in 2017 when they finally uh, completed the conversion framework that would see people who had lost their money being compensated. Uh, not many ordinary people were ever were able to recover their money. It was just the big shots and corporations. I think most mm. people just money and they didn't have any recourse whatsoever, even yeah. then. But then this this brings up another issue of which Ed and I were talking about in terms of confidence. It was a good, you know, Andy, you wrote, I think, was it the day the day before yesterday, Gary, that um, uh, the, the RBZ is not doing, you know, uh, what's it called, interest rates for, for local currency in USD, USD accounts. Yeah. Yo, yeah. Ed, are you confident? Mm. <laughs> so that's the thing. So so the thing is, is as Gary was saying it, 2008 is like a colloquial term. When it comes to depositing money in a bank, it's now not just 2008. It's now, hey, um, there was 2008 
where we put our money in banks and the banks disappeared and we didn't get our money. And then we were like, okay, let's try it again in the new multi-currency era where we were told, hey, um, yeah, we're using USDs now. And we we're like, ah, okay, USDs, USDs, USDs. Then bond coins are changed and we we're like, oh, okay, it's fine. And then bond coins became bond notes and we we're like, uh, okay. And then bond notes became, um, hey, this is just an incentive for, for farmers, for guys who are getting their money from, you know, selling their tobacco and stuff. So we're giving them a bit of an incentive, but it will be in bond notes. We're like, oh, okay, for farmers, okay. Cool. Up to a point where USD was now illegal and people started asking now, okay, what happens to the USD that was in my bank account? Mm. You know? And it's now, hey, we just converted it at one is to one because we said these things are one is to one. And it's looking like a recurring theme, just looking at, you know, just the past 20 years, just let's go the past 20 years. It's such a recurring theme to the point where a lot of people have actually lost confidence in, um, in, in the financial system, in the banking system, because weird stuff always happens. And whenever this weird stuff happens, it's me, the customer of the bank that always loses out. And it's difficult to then try and regain that confidence because it means something extra has to happen. And, you know, this to a lot of people, uh, their announcement of interest rates for depositors, it's something that um, made a couple of people smile, you know, like, hey, finally, I can get interest with my money that I'm depositing in this bank. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is... To a lot of people, there is still that curiosity, especially where we find out that um, um, nostril accounts are not protected. You know, you start to wonder, okay, there was once a there was once a push for people to deposit their money into nostril accounts uh, because they said it's safer, and now they kind of offer an interest even for those nostril accounts. But in the event that weird stuff happens to that nostril account. I can't get my money back. And they can simply pull out the law that says, yeah, this thing is not covered. And that again, for people who are depositing money in their nostril, it's something that kind of starts worrying them. I mean, even right now at this moment, um, whenever I want to deposit money into my card, it's because I really want to buy something at that moment. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. It's not a place where I just put my money and just leave it there. I'm like, okay, fine. Uh, I'm planning on buying headphones. Okay. Let me go deposit money in there so that I can buy them there and then get them shipped here. That's cool. Um, but in terms of actually storing your money within that account with no plan, just, Hey, I have money. I'm putting it in a bank. Ah, I haven't done that. And I don't think I'm going to do it in in the near or medium future. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think um, uh, going back, like, I think one of the reasons why we have a situation where uh, nostril deposits are not covered, we just have to look at history as I was saying. Like, the history itself, the history itself is very revealing. So remember what I said when I said uh, the DPC is formed under an act of parliament, which means that people, the entire parliament, gathered and then they come up with these rules. Of course, 
as I was telling Valentine before the podcast, most of these rules are just imported elsewhere. It's usually English law. Uh, somebody discovers there's this act where it, uh, which protects depositors in the UK, and then they think it's a good idea to bring it to Zimbabwe. That's a good thing. Mm. But they bring it to Zimbabwe, and usually they don't do a good job of maybe making sure that they do um, localize the act and that it covers like the local situation better. They just take an egg and then they paste it and then they edit maybe the digits, they remove the United Kingdom and then they place Zimbabwe and so on. And then it's a real act of parliament. Remember what I was saying uh, about parliament being more active uh, around 2008 and prior to that. Uh, people were actually involved in the lawmaking process. And then you get to 2009. Uh, in 2009, the GNU was kind of a rush thing. One of the things that you notice is that uh, the adoption of the USD and other currencies is actually not an act of parliament. It wasn't debated before parliament. It was something like an, a statutory instrument. I'm forgetting the exact number, but it was a statutory instrument uh, made in February 2009 that um, basically forced the adoption of um, the multi-current system upon all the other MPs. And the MPs that were in in the GNU, they never really got to tackling issues that were uh, thought of as polarized or issues that would have divided them. They only focused on the good stuff. They are farmers, this and that, and then they ignored those um, those uh, cases that were considered controversial or cases that would divide them along political lines. And then you get 2018. <clears throat> 2018 was critical. In the new constitution, we have a clause that's, uh, that says that if you're a member of parliament for a certain political party, if you defect from that political party, you cease to be a member of parliament. You can also be recorded. It's, it's an act we have, sorry, it's a, it's a clause we have seen being used uh, many times during the past two years. Uh, it's a clause that was meant to foster political allegiance. But unfortunately, what it has done is it has placed a chilling effect on parliament. You're going to find that if you look at the Hansard reviews, most of the stuff that is being discussed in uh, parliament right now is pretty routine. Uh, updating the flag egg, doing this and that. <clears throat> you no longer have uh, a situation where we have a finance committee actually looking at the glaring holes in certain eggs that uh, under its ambits. You have a case where uh, parliamentary committees are focused on maybe corruption. Ah, oh, so-and-so is corrupt. He should appear before us and explain how he spent this money. They're doing all these things and then they're not looking at the acts of parliaments that were supposed to be updated. In fact, most acts are not even updated to align with the new constitution. So you have lots of holes. This is just an example of one of them. <clears throat> well, as a result, you have a situation where the board just drops. No one is looking. We have statutory instrument upon statutory instrument being used to uh, fix things. And then you create another mistake and then you fix it and so on. Such mistakes would never happen if we had a proper parliament sitting and discussing them. That's what I'm saying. If you look at... Oh, yeah. Another thing that is the the, the word Nostra account, I think one of the reasons why Nostra accounts are are not covered under GPC, because a Nostra account technically means an account in another country, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, As FBC, you have a Nostra account uh, at, say, Barclays Bank in the United Kingdom, 
when you want to make payments to people in the United Kingdom, you use that particular account. You call it a Nostra account. Uh, the opposite would be a Vostra account where you have an account. The Barclays is an account with you. When they want to pay someone in Zimbabwe, say in RTGs, they just use money in that particular account. So that's a Nostra account. It's in another country. So this whole concept where you have um, Nostra accounts that are held domestically, it's, a, it's not natural. Uh, it was never supposed to be. Uh, so it's something that might have caused issues as well. Uh, people just adopted the name Nostro and then they used it without actually thinking about the implications. Mm. And it's, it's even looking at the fact that if you're going, if the, what you're saying that adopting policies from elsewhere without making them attuned to local systems, if you're going to adopt the term Nostro account, um, it probably would have been best, maybe the name was fashionable, probably would have been best to term domestic, you know, because uh, they call them domestic Nostro accounts. It's the full the full terminology that they use. Um, they adopted the term because it's part of, uh, as Ed was describing, like the four in the system. Uh, mm-hmm. His uh, ways we just can be summarized as a, a, a serial lie, right? Mm-hmm. It's a lie going through the years where you have a bank trying to, after betraying people, is trying to foster loyalty, is trying to restore confidence, and then they come up with these fancy terms. Uh, that might confuse the a normal person. We have things like the RGGS dollar, we have things like the Nostra. So it's a misnomer in itself. So that's just one of the many issues that you have in the banking system. And no one is really sitting down in parliament and saying, guys, we have all these different statutory instruments. We have all these different X. Uh, we have a new constitution. We have these glaring holes that have been exposed by this meltdown uh, and going under of certain banks in 2013, 2014, and so on. Let's come up with a comprehensive framework that covers every one of the loops or loopholes that we've discovered. No one is doing that because everyone is busy fighting a political battle. Look at us right now. Um, right now, we are now focused on 2023. No one is really looking at things like the DPC because they are not sexy. They don't pour well. Most Zimbabweans don't about these things. So I think it's a political, um, it's a political issue in as much as it is a legal issue, because at the end of the day, it's politicians who make these laws. True, but the, the one thing I've never been able to understand as an individual is making stop gaps like you know DBC coverage of, of Nostra accounts or you know um, yeah, putting through things acts of parliament. You know, for example, if the statutory instrument one twenty seven SI eighty nine other SIs that have come up this year. You're not publishing them, like what you're saying, putting them as, as through parliament, showing people that your vote does matter. Because for whichever party wants to campaign, the way, way you'll do it is in parliament, what you stand for, what you're against. But again, I think Zimbabweans, we've come, we've become, I think Magaisa called it, um, what was it? What was, in, what was the term he gave it on, on his, his, the most recent, uh, Big Saturday read? Uh, I think I'll just use the synonym desensitized. The expectation for us is just, it won't work. So people no longer care what goes in in, in, in our parliament. Even parliamentary debates, the only interesting things that come out, at least for me, was when the deputy finance minister said the Zimbabwe dollar is, is interchangeable internationally. Oh, we just like, okay. Again, another line. Like, yo, okay, cool. But give us the countries. Like, these are these are the tough questions, those questions that that describe the framework of, of, of how we're going to transact as people. Because Zimbabweans, to be honest, the one thing we care about right now is money. So if you make it, if you, if you want to 
build faith for 2023. And I'm, I'm not saying this should be a campaign point or anything, but it's just in my head. There are so many things wrong with people getting money in Zimbabwe. Build that faith first. Don't say, like the RBZ said a, a month ago, oh, we're going to put deposit incentives. Fair enough. Great. Let's see what they are. Probably the, 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 the interest rates we saw are one of those things. But then you're, you're not putting protection off those deposits. And most likely they were talking about USD. You haven't put protection off a, a facet of the tra- of transactions in Zimbabwe. More so, you go against mobile money last year. It was the avenue for the unbanked. This is where we got accounts. Now, granted, banks have made it easy to open accounts, but with mobile money, you didn't. You 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 would need a card if you wanted one. But if you didn't want one, you don't need one. You can open an FBC, NMB, NetBank, whatnot through their you know various platforms, but you still need to go to the bank to get a card for easy transaction. So you went against a system that made life easier for more, for most Zimbabweans, made it difficult, increased introduced limits on a charge that you haven't been able to substantiate yet. Because you know we all the the the, the, the what's mostly termed is that eocash was being used by money changers to change money to 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 to, to you know to cause fluctuations in 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 the US, USD to local currency uh, conversion rate. To be honest, bank accounts are being used for the same thing. Are you going to shut down yeah, bank yeah. accounts because of that? They're still being used for the same thing. I think yeah. part of the is what you're saying. Like all these things are being left, like all these decisions are left in the hands of a few people. We have uh, the governor of the Arabiz, we have uh, the finance minister, and maybe he goes to the president when he wants some of his statutory instruments to be passed as like uh, de facto acts of parliament. The problem with such a system is that uh, you might have brilliant people. Yeah, I admit um, the finance minister is a learned man. And so is the Arabized government. But there is a limit to what one person can do um, when it comes to crafting um, comprehensive policies that cover an entire country, that cover every facet of the financial system itself. So there are always going to be mistakes. And the problem is if you go in the dead of night, uh, huddle together as the decision, the few decision makers, you come up with a hasty statutory instrument, you end up... Um, creating these problems so you don't want people to use uh, a certain um, exchange rate you fix it at 85 and then you have a problem because institutions in other countries that don't fall under your uh, governorship are not going to be using that rate so they can't uh, trade your currency because it means uh, they'll be trading at a fixed rate that's not sustained by foreign currency reserves and so on so you have all these problems cropping from a piecemeal process of making legislation. And the TPC is just one example, unfortunately, of many uh, glaring problems that the financial sector of Zimbabwe is facing. So as you're saying, people just ban things up, uh, mobile money, eco-cash is banned. So you have a situation, look at it this way. When eco-cash was initially formed, right, it was a remedial service, a domestic remedial service. So they would uh, send money to raw areas and so on. And right now, because agents were banned, they can no longer do that. They have to watch uh, financial institutions like the Bank ABC, uh, Logic City Hall. Yeah. And then they can't in something that they originally conceived themselves. It was their idea. But unfortunately, because they are in a straight jacket because of past events, they can no longer do such things. So nobody thought that would happen. But it's happening right now. I'm sure if you do 
admit those people who made those policies in private, they would admit that they didn't foresee that thing happening. That lack of foresight usually crops up because so few people are making all the decisions. They should sometimes let it go to parliament. I don't need doubt. Yeah, but yeah. even if you look at a good example is Brexit. I'm sorry, I'm, I, I like taking comparative detours. But um, former Speaker of the House, uh, I think his name is John Burkow, I think defected to Labour. I saw a report on, on, on Twitter because of the whole Brexit scenario. Um, Brexit looked stupid once it went into Parliament. People started talking more about it. Like we were like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, who let people vote? Like, guys, consensus is not always the right thing. Agreeing on something and not knowing exactly what you're agreeing on is, is is a big problem, and once it it the issues became distilled even more, the British public then began to understand what they signed up for. Mm. So, in, in, in what you're saying is, if you bring these issues, for example, if you you make a, a motion in Parliament, or whatever, to say, like in June in June or July last year, we want to ban mobile money, right? Pass a motion in Parliament, you get arguments for and against in 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 where that argument is supposed to, is supposed to be happening. So you then understand, oh right. We want to ban this. Under the uh, information secretary Nick Mangwana, that, that Friday night, uh, one of my first, one, I think it was one of my first weeks at Texan, was a, was the first you know notification I got a Friday night. I'm like, you know, when you're winding down and then you see more money ban, you're like, goodness, okay. I thought I was having a, a short evening, a short workday, but clearly not. So it's it's those things. If you put it into parliament and not just make them sweeping statements and put them into parliament, let them be let them be debated. You could possibly even craft a policy that could better protect people from those from those companies like EcoCash, because EcoCash has been for a long time, you know, been said is is a monopoly and whatnot. But to their credit, they're working with what they have. So if if you get a system that is reactionary, that causes instability again, which is why I'm always baffled when people say the country is open for business. It's like yeah, but with the with the amount of things that have happened this year and the essays that have come out. The amount of disruption they've caused, it doesn't reflect well, to be honest. It it not at all. And it just lowers that confidence in, in, in people in the financial sector. And people start, as most people are, part of the National Mattress Bankers Union. Because hey, it's better save you rumba rather than big. Yeah, because uh, yep. there are no solutions. If you if they are that's like the biggest mistake. You have to like sweeping statements as you were saying about Brexit. You have like these demagogues like um the British Prime Minister, you have the Brazilian president, so on. These people are very good at making sweeping statements. But once you make that sweeping statements that that's not well considered, you're going to find out there were some uh, things you hadn't thought of that are just lurking beneath the surface and waiting to trip you. Like but you say this won't work how are we going to fix iron and so on like in the UK? So this is the this is like the problem with Zimbabwe. They want to surprise you because they feel aggrieved deep down. They think uh, financial institutions and uh, businesses are sabotaging them. It's a siege mentality. And as a result, they tend to focus on those things and look at what they're doing. They're ignoring important things like the DPC in the process. Mm. And then Ed, um, I actually used your your quote in the article, <laughs> building a house roof first. I remember laughing so hard when <laughs> you said that. It was, like, <laughs> it was crazy because even thinking about the imagery that, you know, you put something like, like SI-127 up um, as, yeah. as, 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 yeah. as a make weight or whatever, and something like the DBC is, is lying underneath. And to be honest, we we may not have uncovered it if we're not looking for it. It may have been one of those things. So on, on, on just 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 to stay on the point of of, of of confidence i know i've said a lot about you know getting it out of parliament and all that but are there other ways that you could possibly see that they could approach this stuff 
when it comes to changes that are going to affect the business, which is largely the informal sector. You know, are there ways that you think they mm. should approach it more uh, in, 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 as, in addition to parliament as, uh, sorry, in addition to parliament uh, on, on focus grouping or whatever? On, on confidence. I think for me, um, mm. they need a middle road. They need to strike a conciliatory return. Right now, like when you find those who are tasked with authority, they're taking a very antagonistic approach when it comes to formal businesses, when it comes to informal business. I think uh, in the public as well, it's like as if we're in a fight. We're not in a fight. I think everybody wants to build a better Zimbabwe. Everybody wants the financial system to work. I think we would have better solutions if we consulted all the stakeholders involved before we make a decision, we make a commitment as government and say, ah, before we pass the next year's story instrument, we're not just going to gather a few uh, brilliant minds like Eddie Cross in a dark room and then craft uh, <laughs> in a, an antagonistic because you guys are throwing sand because that's like Murgudira Jecha and so So I think they need to continue theory. They need to be consultative uh, more before they pass legislation. But knowing these guys, there's also no guarantee that when they feel like they are in a corner, they're not going to lash out and pass an emergency legislation. They've done so many things over the past two decades that it's going to be very hard. It's easy to destroy confidence, but rebuilding it, um, it takes time. It takes ages. I think they just have to make sure that from now on, they make a commitment to be um, comprehensive, to be consultative, to maybe go through parliament instead of just passing these emergency laws. Yeah. And Ed, I, I have a, oh, a yeah. question specifically yeah, yeah, yeah. for you, Ed. Um, and we, okay. we, we talked about the, the FinTech sandbox a bit. Uh, I think it was the last week. Um, yeah. And, and my question is to you, like, what role would, like, how would, how would, like, them approaching parliament and, and what Gary said are all, are all in good. But there are a number of new industries and future industries in the FinTech space um, that exist in Zimbabwe. So how do you think they should approach them beyond the sandbox and be like, yeah, you know, crafting this as as as, as an extra layer to understand what's going on exactly on the ground? I think it's it's all about communication. I mean, we talked about it in our previous podcast that um, as much as they might communicate, um, it's the language that they use. Uh, you say that uh, most of the businesses that are running right now are informal businesses and these are people who have a general understanding of how finances are going to work within their little sphere of business. So understanding these types of people, communicating with them, I'm pretty sure there are associations of these SMEs that they can then consult with and say, hey, we're trying to start something like this. How does it affect someone doing your typical business? And how can we work together to make sure it's formalized? I mean, it's a frustrating experience for a lot of Zimbos that, you know, they can't use services like um, like PayPal. Like there's no full support of services like MasterCard in Zim. I mean, remember I was ranting about how um, my MasterCard, which is local, cannot, um, cannot buy from, I think it was KFC, mm. because it's a local card. And, you know, for 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 a layman like me, you know, it's written with a MasterCard. And this machine is for these type of cards. And this card has money, but I can't use it locally. And the reason why these systems are kind of broken is that whole thing of, you know, building the roof before you've set the foundation. Um, 
try as much as you can to create a system that fundamentally works. And if the fundamentals are okay, then it's easier for business to then latch onto that system. And if businesses latch onto that system, it's then easier for them to then incentivize the employees and the general public to then use that financial system. I mean, an example is if a business finds confidence in a financial system to offer financing for for maybe a car or maybe a house, then much less people are going to just, you know, buy these assets directly with individual with individuals. I'm not going to sell my car directly to you. I'm going to say, hey, you know what? Me forking out this whole amount to buy this car from you doesn't really do justice or doesn't really make it work for the economies in my home. But my bank allows a certain certain limits when it comes to financing. And so I can then communicate through my bank. The bank pays you all the money at once. And then I pay back the bank in reasonable chunks that do not affect me as an individual. So it's it, it's a progressive way of looking at it, just consulting with the businesses and seeing what works best for the businesses. And it'll then just be a trickle down effect to the everyday individual. Just mm-hmm. talk to people. Yeah. yeah, just to chip in and going big a little, Ed mentioned uh, credit, uh, consumer credit. The credit system is just one of those things that's also broken in Zimbabwe. Well, one uh, other area that the, uh, the, the, the financial authorities need to look at. Uh, there are things in other countries such as the, finance, uh, the credit bureau, which has got a credit rating system and so on. In Zimbabwe, we used to have those things. But again, when we transitioned to the multi-current system in 2009, they just fell by the way. Nobody really uh, took the time to consider the implications of these changeovers. So right now, today, if you want to uh, maybe sell something to someone on credit, you don't know the credit score. You don't know how well they are uh, going to be paying you back. You don't know uh, their credit witness, in other words. So if you have a comprehensive system, as Ed is saying, which covers all these aspects, all these things, and focus on uh, on the fundamentals, as he said as well, uh, you're going to find that you create a conducive environment. There won't be any need for all those uh, antagonistic PSP legislations that they are passing. Because you have made sure that the fundamentals are well set. You have a credit bureau with an API. <clears throat> if there's a new credit company that comes along, you can just say, ah, guys, if you want to be offering car loans, you can just plug into this API. You can look up uh, people's names, their addresses, uh, the credit score, these, the ID number, and so on. Most definitely, yeah. Hopefully, the, the the credit system then comes to to, to a balance. But it's all it's, it's it's all a consummate part of the financial, uh, you know, uh, of the financial industries in other countries. Where all of these things kind of buffer one another, or you know, buttress one another, um, you know, to create you know a system where people have some sort of confidence in it. And also, you know, just to just to finish off, um, the fact that the the the, the legal system or 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 the decision-making system in those countries is a process that anyone can take a look into. You have no surprises. Generally, uh, everything else is, is boiled down and is still to a point where the every man can, exi- can understand it. Uh, and to add to his point, yeah, listen, if you're going to release a statement, especially this is 
particularly derivatives of the RBZ. The language that you use, guys, is, is, is inaccessible to most people. And, uh, you know, firstly, only release it in English, which I think is, is, is a bit exclusionary for everyone who speaks other, who may speak one or, or two of the other languages aside from English in Zimbabwe. The language used is too complex. Um, you know, it's, I, I, they, I'm sure they have an entire PR department. So in a sense, like if, if you're reading this, what does it mean to you? Uh, as, an, as, as an individual, this is where you then get misquoted, misconstrued, misunderstood. And then you have to backpedal and you know make all. So if if, if you want to make life easy for us, to be honest, just just put it out in plain English, uh, plain very simple, non technical English. The documents that you keep within RBZ, of course, can be in the jargon that most people in the in the in the in the bank can understand. But for the rest of us, yeah, this is how, especially in the media, this is how things get taken out of context. Because I remember yesterday, the RBZ had to put out a statement saying, you know, the 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 US the US dollar is still legal tender. Someone must have misunderstood something somewhere for someone to print or to purport that report that the, the RBZ said that USD is no longer legal tender, of which it still is. So, you know, you, you're creating another mess for yourself in terms of communication. And it's a communication is so key and it has to be at the very base level starting from parliament all the way up, speak in terms people understand and make it available in every sort of medium and in every language and in the simplest and basest terms so the ordinaries in Bobbin can understand what's going on. And if something happens with, with, with DPC, hopefully it happens because when we when we reached out to DPC, they did say that um, they're, they're, they're engaging the, the, the stakeholders in this matter to make sure that these domestic uh, foreign currency accounts, I think we should stop calling them Nostra accounts, um, should uh, are covered. And hopefully when that statement comes out or whatever resolution comes, it's in, it's in a way that everybody can understand how much you're going to get, you know, because all banks are part of the deposit protection uh, corporation. So I'm, I'm in, again, I think I've got to mention that um, banks will have their own internal, you know, especially international banks will have their own internal systems to protect depositors because they, they rely on reputation. So this now just blankets it to every bank. So if a Zimbabwean bank goes under or one of these newfangled banks comes and then disappears, there's still some measure of, of protection. Uh, so thank you very much, gentlemen. Um, a double header. Uh, I've taken up too much of your time, to be honest. <laughs> Always a pleasure. Awesome. We should, we should do this again soon. <laughs> yeah, hopefully I'll have the time. Yeah, Mamun's Omega. He's busy. Don't, yep. don't say that. <laughs> <What's> <laughs> like... <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, before we go, uh, please, I mean, Ed, this was your. This was the one thing that we forgot the last time. The uh, one thing. <laughs> the one thing. Uh, airtime, cross-platform airtime with your eCash. So if you want to buy um, airtime for Telesol and Net1, you need an eConnect through your eCash. You can do that through uh, Texans, USSD, star 405 hash. Uh, so, yeah, um, check it out. Have fun. Uh, if you want to do the same, oh, it's not even airtime. Zesa, uh, Intel one, uh, and I'm pretty sure the the Rufaro why is absent is because he's working on more products. Hopefully, through the USSD. Hopefully, yeah. And I know when he hears, he's gonna kick me. He's gonna find a way to come and kick me. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys. <laughs> thank you guys for listening. I uh, will check you out very soon.